This Week in Wealth is powered by Alpha Wealth Group. If you're serious about retirement and have saved $250,000 or more, call Alpha Wealth Group's Tom Fortino now, 630-934-1855 or alphawealthgroup.com. Alpha Wealth Group, retirement made simple. Good morning, Chicago. Welcome back to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Klink. I'm a financial journalist and CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company. And I'm Tom Fortino. I'm the principal and founder of the Alpha Wealth Group right here in the Chicagoland area. If you want to talk with Tom or you want to ask us a question, give us a call. 630-934-1855 or you can go to alphawealthgroup.com. So, Tom, I thought we'd talk about parents and kids today, right? Okay. I'm sure you've got a lot of clients. You've, I, yes. Do you have kids? I do not. I have two. I've just spent uh, the last week with them, which was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, it made me think about <laughs> the whole thing of you know parents and kids and when it's time to launch your kids financially. And I was really stunned to see this week that half of all parents are still helping to support their mm-hmm. kids financially. Now, in the you know when COVID hit, we saw more millennials and Gen Zs move home and were living at home for like years. Mm-hmm. than we had ever seen in this country. It was like more than half uh, were doing that. And parents were helping their kids out. You know, they were leaving their leases, their rents. They were moving home mm-hmm. to save money. A lot of them had been out of work. But still today, we're in 2023 now, half of all parents are helping to support their kids financially. They are even considering, and I know this is going to make you shake off your boots, <laughs> um uh, Considering coming out of retirement or refinancing their homes in order to prop up their kids' bank accounts. And what I thought we'd do is, um, in the first half of the show, talk about how much money parents are giving their kids and whether you think that's a plus, minus, or basically just needed. And then uh, we've got our regular questions segment at the bottom of the hour. And I thought then we'd talk about when it's time to close the bank of mom and dad. Yeah. Cut the cord, as they say, right? Oh, I'm sure you have had. <laughs> I, I, I just can only imagine in the course of your career how many times you've had this. Okay, uh, clients, it's time yeah. to cut the cord. <laughs> Bank of mom and dad. And, of course, you know, if you've got any thoughts about this, 630-934-1855. So the research, which is interesting, um, showed that 25% of parents are willing to pull cash out of their savings or retirement accounts. 17% would take on debt in order to keep supporting their kids. 9% would come out of retirement <clears throat> entirely. 7% would put their homes on the line by refinancing. Wow. I'm just blown away by this. What uh-huh. do you think? Well... You know, this is a very sensitive, on the one hand, you want to say, God bless them, you know, the love of the of the parent for the child and all that. But it's almost like when I take a look at this, it's like when you have a loss of cabin pressure in the airplane, right? It's like, okay, put on your oxygen mask first before you help others. Right. Okay? And that... <laughs> It's good. Actually, it's a great analogy because I think everybody can understand how, you know, if you're not protecting yourself, you then can't go and protect anybody else. Correct. And so it's, you know, this is an area where if you're, you know, first and analyze your situation, it's, it's, we don't want to be happy. Again, we could give you examples. I have clients that have helped, of course, college is one of maybe arguably the most common. I have a client I met with not that long ago that, you know, hadn't seen a little bit. And he said, hey, you know, my good news, my my daughter got was married and, you know, they live in the house. Well, of course, I wanted to help them out. Great guy, you know, excited. And it was really nice. I have another one 
who just they purchased home, he, the, the person is paying it back. So there's rules we want to, we can talk about here today, at least. If you're going to do it, what's the best way to do it? And also, what are the consequences so we understand? But first of all, again, understand where you stay, where your things are at. Are you in a good spot? Because your mortality is much less than your children's mortality. So they have many more years to work, many more years to pay it back. And so we really have to be careful because when you mix emotions with money and finance, you oh, know, yeah. on any level, it's it, it's just it's usually not the best outcome. And so I think there's certain rules we want to follow if we're going to take a look at this because again, there's consequences as far as gifting rules, putting your name on assets or whatever it is, and we can talk more about that. Yeah, and we and we will. And I the other thing I wanted to just say is that. Uh, the vast majority of kids aren't just blowing this on 82-inch QLED TVs, right? Mm-hmm. They're actually largely spending their parents' money on things like food and rent. So to your point, that parental anxiety that, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. my children are going to starve, kicks in. Um, but about ha- a little under half of parents have also seen some of their money used for vacations to fancy places. <laughs> Um, 66% of parents are still covering their children's cell phone bills. Now, I will say that I fall into that category, (laughs) not because I have to, but we got such a great deal on our cell phone bill, and the kids are basically free, and Mm -hmm. they have unlimited texting, and we're like, it's no skin off our nose to just keep them on the plan for an extra, you know, whatever. I don't think we're paying anything extra. Maybe we are. But but the other thing that I wanted to point out is that the age that people are still giving their kids support. So this might not come as a surprise, but the vast majority comes from 18 to 24. It's 64%. Mm-hmm. But 17% of kids 25 to 29 are still getting some parental support. Uh, 8% of those 30 to 34. And then this was surprising to me. It went up. 11% of those aged 35 and over are still wow. getting parental mm-hmm. support. And you know, if you've got kids who are, let's say, 40, you've got to be in your 60s, if not 70s, or <laughs> these days, even, you know, like nearing or in your 80s, that's got to yeah. be, uh, you know, pretty dangerous. And I, I, you know, when I think about this, Tom, and I'm sure that you do as well, you know, there's a time when you have to just say, okay, enough's enough, right? Yeah, I mean... Um Look, there's a difference, and we you've made that comment. You differentiate between, hey, it's always nice to help out. In fact, you know, when you can rely on a family member and you know you have that support, hey, that's all great stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course, um, because I think it's you know it's 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 helpful on so many levels. But again, when it impacts your retirement and your lifestyle. That's where it becomes uh, an issue. You know, if you take a look at just from the standpoint, I'm sure you've talked about this many times or looked into it or seen the numbers. I think they're talking like 30 trillion. I don't know how many trillions of dollars. 30 trillion dollars is going to go from the baby boomer generation to the children. (laughs) That transfer is going to happen. That generation just from an inheritance standpoint. And that's massive. But during your lifetime. You know, as you as you gift, um, or I shouldn't say maybe gift. We should say maybe loan. As I said, I have a client who um, helped this child purchase the home. It was a significant amount of money. Sent actually filled out a loan agreement. They signed it, dated it. I mean, it's all done properly, which makes sense. You know, because if you think about things, it's it's documented. It's good on the standpoint of the child. You're still helping them out. It's a great thing. 
but now there's a sense of responsibility if there's ever a divorce. You know, there's all these what ifs too. Yeah, and we talk about the consequences. Yeah, there's a lot of things that can happen, and you want mm-hmm. to make sure that your your kids are protected. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I, I definitely want to continue this and talk about um, this idea of the bank of mom and dad and sort of when it's time to open it, when it's time to close <laughs> it, and, and the reasons why you might just want to keep it open, because there are definitely some situations where that would be the case as well. You're listening to This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back to This Week in Wealth, everybody. I'm Elise Glink. I'm here with Tom Fortino, the founder and principal of the Alpha Wealth Group. Today, we're talking about kids and money and parents who financially support their kids. Not that you would know anybody like that, Tom. And, uh, <laughs> you know, clearly during the pandemic, younger generations increasingly, maybe to a, the greatest degree ever, had to rely on their parents for support again. And a lot of this had shame attached to it, right? You, you know, you're out there on your own and you're making it and you're paying your own rent and suddenly you don't have a job and you can't get another one right away and so you come home and uh, you know college age kids are panicking about their financial stability we keep hearing about this recession that may be coming and there are some really good reasons to keep supporting kids even in their 30s and 40s right kids who are um, you know challenged have a disability but for others who are just relying on the bank of mom and dad for the nicer nicer things in life um you know, talk about, Tom, you know, for your clients and just your own perspective, when do you think it's time to close the bank of mom and dad? <laughs> well, you know, then, you know, you talk about the mom and dad. What about the bank of grandma and grandpa? So then. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> does it ever? No. But, you know, there's, there's again, you want to look at this objectively as much as possible. Um it's a it it is can be a terrific thing it's the legacy part of it it's the you know years from now you know grandma and grandpa or mom and dad how they helped you out and then you pass that on right it's the whole um passing on the next generation and helping out and being part of that the support there was a recent article in wall street journal that said talked about longevity and and uh, health and of course you know it always comes back to support family community all of those things and so these are all positive things as it relates to your well-being. But, you know, from a finance standpoint, again, as I, going back to first step is, and we talk about this all the time, Elise, is making sure, okay, everything, I'm in, I'm in a place where I'm fine. I have the income coming in, especially if you're near in retirement or in retirement, and you're, you're comfortable where you're at. You've got the assets. At that point, then, okay, now it's, it's this other piece I, I'm okay with. Again, just be objective about it. The next step in it is, okay, how do I structure this? As I made, I made the comment about the client who set up a loan agreement in writing. It's documented. It's That's important for a number of reasons. Not only does it establish this between the child and the, and the parent as far as this responsibility, this obligation, but also, as I said, if there's a divorce, well, now you have a document to say, well, what about this asset? It's a loan from the, you know, and so on. Mm-hmm. The other thing is if there's estate planning, right, you can say, Please understand, in your trust, you could say any loan that I gave to one of my children is to be deducted from their inheritance. Those are things you can do. I'm just throwing out these other pieces to keep to consider when if you're doing these types of things. And then just be careful. You know, there's gifting rules. Loans are different than gifts. You can gift up to 17000 per person per year. So you can give gifts. If you have two, you know, a married couple or two children, that's thirty-four thousand. You can give if you're married. Your spouse can give thirty-four thousand. That's a outright gift. But be careful too about taking it out of retirement accounts because 
not only is it a taxable consequence, that's where I really kind of, there's a little more pushback. And if it's before 59 and a half, there's a tax and a penalty of 10%. So you really just, again, be careful when you take a look at, is, is this something I can do, first of all? And then if I'm going to do it, let me do it the right way. Yeah, I think that those are some really excellent points. And there are some very valid strategies. And I would separate mm-hmm. um, out the idea of parents who have plenty of money for their retirement and, in fact, have mm-hmm. excess money. Maybe you live, you know, you live in the state of Illinois and you don't want to get caught in the inheritance debacle that are ta- inheritance taxes in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because federally you can pass down, what is it this year, $23 million per person? And the federal level at the state, the federal level, yeah, yeah, right. At the state, it's only four million, which is hasn't moved in in years. So, you might say to yourself, "Well, I have plenty of money, and I want to give some of that to my kids. They don't really need it, but I want it out of the estate, so I don't Mm -hmm. pay estate tax." That's a different conversation than what we're having here. And correct, certainly, somebody like you can walk somebody through that, and you know, and help them understand it, and. These days, you know, four million isn't much, especially if you've been in your house a long time. It's paid off, and that's a million or a million and a half. Uh, you just bought it in the right neighborhood. Maybe it's two million, and now you've got retirement accounts. You could easily get to your four million dollar level. Mm-hmm. But you know, in terms of you know giving kids money, I think you really have to have this cut before you cut them off cold. <laughs> We're not suggesting you do that. <laughs> You have to have a conversation with them about what's going on with them. And I think mm-hmm. having that conversation is a really hard thing to start. Do you have some strategies that you recommend to your clients? Well, you know, it always comes back to when, you know, we talk about when all else fails, try talking, you kind of communicate. And I think, you know, we do family meetings, for example. So especially when it comes to estate planning, we bring in, the you know, the, the parents can come in and then just the in, then just the, the children, not the in-laws usually, unless they want to bring them. Oh, my and, God. You would bring your in-laws <laughs> to a meeting with your own parents about money? Usually what that I, how, many bottles, say, how many <laughs> bottles of alcohol do you provide, Tom, for these sorts of things? No, I usually suggest, you know, again, unless Coming you drunk? Want, no. Unless, <laughs> Sorry. Kidding. Unless you want to include them, usually it's just bring the children, right? And yeah. a lot of times you don't even have to talk about money. But it's interesting when you just start the conversation, if there's any family affair, or just you're just sitting around, you're all, they're over for dinner or something, and you just start the conversation on some of these things, you'll be surprised at what may come of those conversations. You may be very surprised. So it's always really just starting with a, hey, let's talk about this. What's the most surprising thing that you've heard at the table? Uh, <laughs> well, the, the most surprising, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but, um, you know, well, it was <laughs> it was a second marriage, and so it, with the wife, it was his wife, and she was there, and I may have mentioned this to you before, but the children were there, and uh, he brought up the fact that he was going to, you know, they had setting up the trust and doing the estate planning, um, but the beneficiaries on his retirement account, which was significant, was going to be directly to the children, and keep in mind, Beneficiaries, the beneficiary designations, unless you name the trust or the will directly, have nothing to do with your trust or will. So they were going directly to the two children, and uh, she was not happy. Um, and she <laughs> suggested that they didn't need an estate planning attorney; they might need a divorce attorney at that point. So, <laughs> yeah. So, that's, but that's not the best conversation. But most of the time, the conversations are that the children just want to know what your wishes are, because unless you tell them, they don't know. 
Right. And so it really, it's not usually not about dollars and cents. And sometimes you don't even talk about the dollars. So it's a, it's a good idea to have these conversations as difficult as it is. It's just, Hey, make that first step and say, Hey, can we just chat about some stuff? You can include it in with your estate planning or just your whole wishes. And then even it can even kind of evolve into this decision about, you know, monies that are aside, what you want to give to them or what you want to help them out with. But this is where it starts. All right. Well, we're going to come back to this part of this conversation. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, You're listening to This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the second half of This Week in Wealth. If you're just joining us, I'm Elise Glink, CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company, and I'm here with Tom Fortino, the founder and principal of the Alpha Wealth Group. And we're talking about your money, and we're talking about the bank of mom and dad, and we're talking about really difficult conversations. But first, I want to just... um, we had a question that came in, and I thought maybe it would be a good idea for us to answer it. And of course, if you want to ask Tom a question, 630-934-1855, or you can always leave your question at alphawealthgroup.com, which is his website. It's got a ton of information you can just download and take a look at. So, Tom, uh, the question that came in is, um, this gentleman is retired, and he's already mm-hmm. started Social Security, 66 years old. His spouse, who's been working, has just reached her full retirement age, and she's trying to decide whether she should also um, take her Social Security. And, you know, I know that he said to you that every financial advisor that he hears about, like all the, you know, the people like me on, on the radio and on TV are like, no, wait until you're 70. And you've said that too. I mean, there are obvious mm-hmm. benefits there. He said he needed to take his. Uh, she's wondering if she needs to take hers or if she should yeah. wait. And I guess, um, think. Yeah, you know, um, this is someone who's, you know, worked very hard and they're they're in a really good spot. And it's really, I love these conversations because they have options, right? But they want to make the best decision. Of course they do. And so um, when you talk about the Social Security decision, you have to be careful because it's, for the most part, it's an irrevocable decision. In other words, when you're 72, you cannot go back and say, you know what, I changed my mind. It doesn't, you know, you can't, can't it's not retroactive. So mm-hmm. it's important. You're locking into a benefit. You can wait till 70. That's the highest amount. And so there's no perfect answer, right? And I know, as you were saying, at least a lot of people say wait. And we've we've talked about, and I think you know Lawrence Kotlikoff. I, I um, very well, actually. Sharp guy. And he, he wrote a book on Social Security called Get What's Yours. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was actually, it's, believe it or not, it's a lot of content there, but it was somewhat comedic. He did try to make it tongue-in-cheek, but it was just packed full of information. And his phrase is, look, the risk isn't dying, the risk is living, right? Yeah. And and so when we talk about trying to lock into the highest benefit for your lifetime, so the conversation we had, you know, I don't think it was necessarily had to take it, but he felt like, look, I want to get this. And when you're it's between those ages of 66, 67 or so, and I don't think it's it's a bad decision to take it at that point. Again, there's a lot of dynamics that come into play if you have other money. If you if you have a spouse, for example, that has a much lower benefit, you can defer it so it's higher for your lifetime. But then, if you predecease the spouse, they get the higher benefit. In those cases, it makes the example. That wasn't the case here. So just a lot of lot of moving parts as it relates to part of your plan. This is certainly part of the income piece. And it's lifetime income, so it's an important decision to make. So there's not that much time between 67 and 70 anymore. And, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's three years. So, Mm -hmm. 
if you're thinking about it, and if Social Security increases 8% a year, right, over your full mm-hmm. retirement age until you hit the top, right, which right now is 70, and my guess is it'll, it'll get higher as the years go on. Mm-hmm. So for three years, you get an 8% guaranteed return, plus whatever the regular, um, you know, increases because of inflation, Right. Right. So yep. if you can make mm-hmm. it work without tapping that for three years, isn't that a good bet? You know, again, that's really what it comes down to as far as, look, and again, you can wait till seven. I get it. It is, these are these guaranteed increases. As an example, and this is, these are the maximum allowable amounts. Now, you, most people are below this. But for example, at 65, the maximum Social Security benefit today is 39400 roughly. Mm-hmm. At 70, it's 54600 wow. Big difference, right? So it it's is. almost a 14000 a year difference for the rest of your life. And then again, that stays with the surviving spouse. So these are things that, again, consider. If you need the money, you need the money. You have to take it to live. But maybe, and you can split the difference. So let's say you say, I'm not going to wait till 70. I want to get that money. Because you're going to forego the income for those years. Maybe you say, okay, I'm not going to wait till 70, but I'm not, I'll do it at 60. Maybe split the difference, right? There's right. Just, those are some things to consider. And um, just making an informed decision, I guess that's the takeaway. Understand how it works and just don't, you know, maybe say, I'm going to take it just to take it. Just understand the, 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 the dynamics of it and what makes sense for you. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think we're sort of programmed now. You're 65, you have to sign up for Medicare right away. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're 67, you've hit your full retirement age, you have to sign up for Social Security. But you really don't. I mean, it does mean that if you sign up for Medicare, that you pay for that separately if you're not going to do Social Security at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, otherwise the Medicare premiums got to come out of your Social Security. Right. And I think people need to understand that as well, that, you know, Medicare premiums, if you're making more money, they'll be a little bit higher. Um, And anyway, you know, you'll have to pay them separately if you're going to do that. But there's a lot of reasons to take Medicare, but not take Social Security. The two things don't go together anymore where they used to. Right. It's because if you remember years ago, in these numbers, I always say the full retirement age, they talk about that. Hey, my full retirement age is 66. My full retirement age is 67. And this is a little bit tongue in cheek. I like to say, you know what that means? What's that? Nothing. Because it doesn't matter. It's whenever you retire. (laughs) It does mean that you can take turn on Social Security and and have no penalty and keep working. So you could you could turn on get 30,000 of Social Security. You get every penny without penalty prior to full retirement age. There's a penalty if you have income. But Technically, it doesn't mean that's when you retire. Years ago, forever, it was 65, 65, 65, and then they changed it to an increase to full retirement age to 67. I'm guessing they're probably going to do it, increase it again. Uh, I think they would have to. I mean, that woman who was that nun over in Europe died last week, and she was the, the oldest person in the world. She was 118, mm-hmm. and the next person who's the now the oldest person in the world is like 115. But the truth is that centenarians over the age of 100 are increasing at a crazy rate. Um, and the same thing with people in their 90s. I mean, just, you know, if you're going to live a long time, you're going to really live a long time. And I think that is what you were trying to get at earlier. So that's what we really need to prepare for. I also just want to point out that if you don't know how much you're going to get from Social Security, 
there was a really easy way to find out. They used to send that paper out around your birthday that kind of told you and showed you what your earnings are. And today you actually have to set up an account, a digital account at SSA, Social Security Administration, .gov. It's free to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you some background and benefits uh, on your benefits for that. It talks about Medicare. You can sign up for Medicare on SSA.gov. Apply for Part D cost assistance, request the premium adjustment, learn about Medicare. All of that stuff can happen there as well. But really smart idea to get, uh, you know, sign up for your free account and then figure out exactly, um, you know, you'll know. You'll see all mm-hmm. of your earnings and, and everything else. So SSA.gov. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go back to this somewhat contentious discussion of a contentious discussion about money with the Bank of Mom and Dad. I want to just wrap up a few questions that uh, Tom and I were chatting about during the break. We'll fill you all in. Stay tuned for more of This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink here with Tom Fortino. You can reach Tom at 630-934-1855, or I really think you ought to check out his website, alphawealthgroup.com. There's a wealth of information up on there, and you can download it. You can leave us a message. You can give Tom a call. There's numbers there as well, 630-934-1855. All things related to retirement, the stuff we talk about on the show. Um, And Tom, before we move back to the conversation about kids and parents, you were telling me about one of your clients, Mm -hmm. uh, a widow that you took to, you went actually signed her up for a social security account how did that work what was that well we were having a discussion and unfortunately um her spouse had passed away and um she wasn't so there's a exception for survivor or widow benefits you can take them as early as 60 normally social security at 62 is the earliest you can take it um it's 60 if you uh your spouse has passed away and you can take benefits based on their earnings so um, you have a couple options, and just like you had suggested, at least go to ssa.gov. It's actually a good website. I, you know, it will send you reminders to your. It's again, it's it's actually pretty good website to use to get informed. You'll see all your earnings history. Really good stuff. And I explained to her. I said, well, you uh, you know, are you considering because she was working part time, not making the she wasn't hitting that limit. And I said you could take survivor benefits. And she said. Well, I thought it was based on my gross income because she had her investment earnings. I said it's only based on earned income. So if you're under this 20000 it's around that. You can take Social Security without penalty. So she set up an appointment. It was a telephone appointment in this case. And you can go directly to one of the agencies. I suggest anyone who wants to really get the information do this. And so I was conferenced in on the call. She gave me permission to speak, and we went through it. And guess what? She can start benefits. She's, you know, you can get roughly, I mean, it was over 3000 a month. It was, anyways, close to 3000 a month, maybe a little less, 2800 But my point is, those are, that's income that now can come in based on the spouses. You know, they, her husband worked his whole life, worked hard, great guy. And now here's an opportunity for her to benefit, which she should, off of that. And now she's going to start um, the process of taking benefits. Um, in the next couple months and uh, get paid retroactively for the month she didn't take it. And now that's an income stream that will last the rest of her life. Yeah, it's really um, amazing. My When my dad died, my mom, he was 49, and mm-hmm. my mom was able to get survivor benefits. Uh, and my, kids, my sisters were um, 
like 15 at the time. And so she got money for them as well. And it was like yeah. a lifesaver because it started mm-hmm. right away while they were still settling the estate. Um, and that was a long, long time ago, 40 years ago. So, yeah, children under 18, you're right. If you have children under 18 and you start your Social Security benefits, they can get up to a half. I mean, it's a little more involved than that, but about half your benefit each child. It's kind of amazing to think that my mother was only 44 when she was widowed uh, the first time. It's just, you know, just sort of stunning to think about that. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, um, back to this conversation thing. Before we run out of time today, um, I, you know, just some quick highlights for people, Tom. You know, when should parents step back financially? You know, I wish there was a hard and fast rule. I don't know if there necessarily is. And again, we, we as we were talking earlier, the differentiation between you're helping them out because you want to help them out, you're gifting to them. Um, you just have to, the, the biggest, biggest point here, I guess, is when it starts impacting your retirement. That is a dangerous place to be because, um, you know, if you've got, if you're still working and you only got a few years left or you're in retirement, that's money you cannot regain or recoup. So it just, I, my, you know, we always talk about all these different parts of your plan. There's almost maybe one other piece. We talk about your income plan and your tax plan and your investment plan. This is really kind of a piece of that. I don't want to con- consider it an expense, but really consider it with the entire amount of your plan because once it starts to impact your plan, you really have to, again, you have to survive and you have to have income the rest of your life then you don't want to turn around and be dependent on your children, right? So right. That's for uh, sure you for sure you don't. And I and I think that a good time to have the conversation with your kids is, you know, and, and again, this is not for people who have, you know, plenty of money and you're just looking to reduce your estate. That's a different conversation when and we'll have that conversation in a few mm-hmm. weeks maybe. But um, you know, once a child is out of their formal education and is hunting for a job you know, if you're ready for them to move out so you can downsize or maybe you're going to rent out a portion of your house or the whole house and you're going to move to somewhere else, you know, you've got to sit down and have this kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Or once your child gets that job, maybe you're going to help them move move into their first place. Set the parameters. Be honest with it. Say, listen, um, I, I'm happy to help you if you've co-signed for their loans. You're going to have to keep doing that, mm-hmm. or you've got your Parent Plus loans, and maybe you say, "Look, I've got to pay these off. I can't also do this. I just financially can't do it. Um, I need you to understand that that this support is going to come to an end, and I, it doesn't mean I don't love you anymore." And I think sometimes parents and kids equate money given with love received, mm-hmm. and. We know that you don't want to conflate those things. That's you know dangerous territory for everybody and for your future relationship. But I have found that having a plan that you write down of how you're gonna, how you want the conversation to go, and then literally practicing that really helps it go in a better, stronger way, so that everybody feels love and support, mm-hmm. and nobody real nobody thinks it's anything other than about paying bills in an inflationary period. Yeah, yeah, it can be very um, a positive, very positive on a lot of levels. Just having conversations that you maybe otherwise wouldn't have, and like I said, sometimes you have conversations you were unaware of that come up, and it's it's really can be a, really a good thing. And I, I also think that there's a situation where 
even if you can well afford it, you don't want to afford it, right? And yeah, I think you're, still. right? I mean, that's your choice. And, and a child may go, but you can afford it. Why can't you just give me some more? And, and I think you have to have an answer for that. You have to be ready to say, whatever the truth is, listen, it's time for you to, you know, learn what it's like to enjoy making your own money and living within your means and spending it. And I get to do that too. This is my money. I earn this. And, you know, if yeah. I choose to gift you some money down the line, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, Easter, your birthday, <laughs> you yeah. know, you get married <laughs> or I choose to help you buy a house someday, that's that's me. This is my choice. Yeah. Um, and if your kid gets upset by that, you, you should try to talk about that. Don't you think, Tom? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the discipline, like you said, even if you have the funds, you say, here's how we're going to set it up. And there's a discipline behind that. It's like anything. I guess when you're a child and something happens, you're like, boy, my parents were so strict and they did this and they did that. And guess what? Years later, you look back and you say, wow, I'm glad they did it that way. I'm really appreciative of that. Mm-hmm. And so that's usually that's usually the end of the story how it, or how it ends where it's, it's a positive thing. And um, so, yeah, I think that's good to do it that way. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, don't make <clears throat> promises you can't keep with kids. Right. So if you've been gifting your kids money and things change in your life, right? We've all had seen a big hit in our investment accounts. They're still down, you know, 20, 25, 30 percent. If you're heavily invested in tech, like you still hasn't come back yet. Um, you know, your, your situation may change. Not necessarily today, but if you've got, a, you know, some sort of retirement account and that's down 20 or 30 percent, the amount you're going to get from that isn't going to be the same either. And so I think it's always a good idea to be honest. And we've, mm-hmm. we haven't talked about this in a while, but you know, Tom, that I feel like parents should share with their kids what their financial situation is, what they've, they've plans they've made for their retirement, how much money they're going to have in retirement. Because I think kids do worry about their parents and whether the parents will have to be supported. Yeah, there's no question. That's pretty common where, um, and again, you don't have to give all the dollar. You can say, look, we're in a good spot here. You know, when I talk about the estate planning piece of it, you know, say, look, we've got these things in place. Here's where they're at, you know, just so they have, that gets back to this organization we've talked about in the past financial organization. But, uh, you know, because when these things happen, if God forbid there's, um, you know, um, if someone passes away, I mean, and then you're, you're called sitting around as children around the table trying to figure out what's going on. And so try to m- minimize some of that by by having all these types of conversations and having them involved. Again, you don't have to get on all the details, but just, hey, these are the important things and understand what we have in place. Yeah, no, it, it's incredibly, incredibly important. Um, if you want to have more strategies about this, you know, give us a call, 630-934-1855. If you are going to have a tough conversation with your kids and you need some prep work, uh, Tom is available. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he's uh, got plenty of experience uh, doing this. Um, and, you know, of course, we always want to be a resource to you. So alphawealthgroup.com. It's... Uh, Strange enough, uh, our time's up, Tom, but thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Tom, I hope you have a great week. You too. And uh, we'll be back here again next week for This Week in Wealth. Don't forget to listen to our past episodes at WGNRadio.com and follow us all on social media. Until next time, have a great week, everybody. See you soon.